Nets lose to the Hornets in terrible, maybe even embarrassing fashion. A game that felt like they should have won from start to finish. Also felt like they couldn't get a single stop from start to finish. Still had a clean look to end the game. Could not get it to go down. We're going to break down Cam Thomas's return. We're going to break down the Brooklyn Nets not getting any stops. We're going to break down that final shot. We're going to break it all down. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie, the owner-operator of DFSR.com, doing basketball projections every single night over at DFSR.com. If you want a free trial, go check it out over there. No Adam Armbrecht on the podcast today. Lucky him coming in hot following a loss by the Brooklyn Nets to the Charlotte Hornets at home. Good time to remind you, thanks for making Lockdown Nets your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all those great platforms, especially when you want to come in after a game rip-roaring mad because this is one the Nets definitely, definitely, definitely should have had. There's almost no excuse for this loss. You, If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know I want to keep things with a pretty steady hand, want to make sure I don't bring too much emotion into it, Want to keep uh you know keep the fandom a little bit at bay for the moments in the podcast to you know just kind of keep things together. But man, this one pushes the envelope on reasonable expectations around what you can assume you think you want to have happen at the end of the game. The Nets end up losing to Charlotte with no Lamelo Ball, one twenty nine to one twenty eight. So many things to talk about with this game. Adam and I talked about in the preview game, just saying this is these aren't must wins, but these are just you kind of have to win these games. Charlotts five and eleven coming in on the game. Nets are nine and eight. They're getting Cam Thomas back. He's going to come in off the bench. But you're getting Nets are going in the right direction, getting healthier. The Hornets are going in the wrong direction with no Lamelo Ball. Maybe borderline starting to circle the drain on their season, right? Like five and eleven with just not a ton of talent. There's really nothing on the bench for this team. And you look at this game and you say, to your, I mean, Nets are like minus 322 home favorites, minus eight and a half on the, on the line going in. I mean, all the signs are pointed for, I mean, not necessarily an easy win because you don't want to say that in the NBA these days. Maybe nothing is easy, but definitely a victory, right? No doubt. And it's almost like the Nets felt like it was watching them play this game. There was times they were thought, I think they wonder if the Nets just thought the same thing. That's just like, hey, this is just supposed to be one in the W column. This is a game that we should win. We're just going to win, and therefore, you know, certain pieces of effort aren't going to end up being there or whatever it is. I mean, I think there's some probably some luck factors that are playing in on this one, too, and sometimes you can run on the bad side of just someone just going, you know, absolutely scorching hot from the field, which is definitely what the Hornets did. Made all the easy ones, made all the hard ones as well. But you get to the end of this game, and you just think to yourself, man, should the Nets never, ever, ever, 
should have lost this game. Absolutely not. Not against this team. Not against what like sort of the Nets are playing for. Not the, the idea that they're getting healthier. Not that they just have just more talent up and down the roster, especially when they get into the bench. They're getting arguably their best player in Cam Thomas, you know, wherever you want to rank these guys back for this game. He looks like he comes out of the gate and can't miss it all. And you still just take an L from a team that's just a, not a good team. And this is a really, really tough one. I'll go through just a piece of the final shot here. And I typically do not get too wrapped up in woulda, shouldas, right? I just don't know if that's um great, great process, especially after a game when motions are high, when you just want to have your senior team win, when you ultimately just want the outcome to have been a certain way. I was you know, flummoxed at the very end of this game. Nets have six seconds to go. They've gotten the rebound. They've gotten a stop from Charlotte. They're pretty much have exactly what you want. They have a fast break with Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, and Mikhail Bridges. It's a three-on-two break. There's six seconds left. I thought it was a smart to, for Jacques Vallon to not call a timeout. They had numbers, right? They, they have numbers going up the court. This is a spot that you pretty much – you don't really – I don't think you want to take you don't want to take a, a timeout here, right? I don't think <clears throat> not when you not when you have the numbers and not when like you have the other team on their back heel. There's just really no reason to do it. DFS grabs the rebound. Spencer's pushing the ball. They're down one. They kick out to Cameron Johnson. He gets an absolutely clean look for three uh, and front rims it and misses. Um, I just don't understand why that ball was not taken directly to the rim. I, I The case against it is going to be, well, it's going to be a contested shot. Cam, Cam Johnson is wide open, and that's, you know, he's a 40% three-point shooter, and maybe the expectation of 40% three-point three point shot versus, you know, what's going to happen contested at the rim is a higher EV play than just going to the rim. I'm not really sure. <clears throat> it sure didn't seem like it in the moment. It definitely didn't seem like it when he missed. And you just have to think to yourself when you're in a situation where you're only down one, I can understand if you're down two or down three, you know, looking for the win or looking for the tie, putting up a three pointer in that instance, when you're only down one, there's, there's multiple things that can happen here. You can get fouled. Okay. Yeah. It's probably a tough call to get to get a foul call late in the game, but you have two defenders on their back heels moving backwards in transition. You so you can get to the line where one shot's going to tie, two two could win the game. You can actually miss the shot, but you have a trailer because Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson, if they're all also able to crash, bringing numbers that way, there's still enough time to crash and get an offensive rebound. I get that these things are super hard to synthesize in the moment. I'm not a professional basketball player. Making these decisions <clears throat> in the moment has to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. It just feels like you are in a situation where you actually have – almost pretty much the advantage where you've gotten exactly what you wanted. You have the numbers, you have a fast break, you have a team that's on their back heels. You have a chance to win the game. You only need one point to, you need two points to win and it's over and to settle for a three. And it just felt really, really brutal in the moment. It is not really, the sting of it has not worn off as we started the, as we started the podcast here. If I'm just being totally honest about it, it was just kind of one of those head scratching moments in the end, look, there was a million points put up in this game. This game, you know, 129 to 128. We're all, we, we tend to kind of grab on to the, the last final moments and not kind of see the game, the, the entire game as it is. And with all these different moments that could have happened during the game that would have just made this outcome completely different and it doesn't need to go down to the final shot. I totally get that. But 
in the end, you are kind of left with this final piece that you stare at. And at least I had to wonder, was that the best shot they could have gotten? Was that the look that they really, if you drew it up, is that the look you want to take down one? It's just really, really hard to tell yourself a story that it is. All right. Going to get into some more of this game. Obviously, Cam Thomas's return. Got to talk about just how many points Charlotte was able to put up in this game somehow, where it just seemed like every single time down the court, they were scoring and scoring and scoring some more. I want to get into all that. We're going to get into that in a second. First, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. This will cheer me up. When you are buying a ticket for you know a sporting event, a concert, a play, the last thing you want is for that experience to just be stressful, to kind of not have the right information. Game Time solves this for you. Game Time makes the ticket buying experience very easy. You're going to find the best deals over at Game Time. You're going to get to see where you're going to sit. You're going to get flash deals uh, to make sure you're getting the best prices. And you're just going to get the ticket buying experience drilled down into a very, very easy thing. So you can go to the game. You can go to the concert. You can go to the play. You can get what you want. There's still time right now over on Game Time. For Saturday's game, Orlando Magic at Brooklyn Nets. Tickets over on game time starting at $31. Get in on the action. Like I said, they have last-minute tickets. They have zone deals. It's very easy to buy tickets for every single kind of event in your area. They also have the lowest price guarantee, even cancellation protection and job loss protection as well. Come on, stop at game time. Too much for us. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. We it's, it's hard to know sometimes what you want to go to next. You want to talk about no defense? You want to talk about Cam Thomas? Uh, they're both they're uh they're both probably relevant to the situation here. Um, on the board here, I have no defense, but we'll talk Cam Thomas first. So Cam Thomas returns in this game, does not start uh as we I, I kind of predicted this. I mean, we said that the starting lineup ultimately should probably Cam Thomas should be part of it. Um, I really didn't think he was going to come out of the gate and start. I thought that was for a couple of reasons. I thought that they would not start Cam Thomas because one, he's working his way back from an ankle injury. There's probably some conditioning stuff sometimes with these guys, you know, minutes situations, they're going to, you know, sort of hard cap the minutes. The minutes are much easier to hard cap when you bring a guy off the bench just from, you know, a flow of the game standpoint. So it wasn't all that surprising to me that Thomas did not start this game and that they ran with a regular starting lineup, a unit that has still been good. So um, whether, you know, whatever you feel about Cam Thomas and whether he should start, the starting five has still been a good squad. I think ultimately he does move back into the starting lineup. Um, so they bring him off the bench. I also think that bringing him off the bench kind of cured uh, cures this like ongoing problem of which we talked a lot about, which is sort of trying to understand what the ultimate starting lineup is going to be and maybe pushing the problem of having to worry about it down the road, at least one more game under the guise of, and, and true, like, the tr you know, the true circumstance of, you know, we're working him was way back on minutes. You know, we're going to work him back into it. Like, you know, there's conditioning here. There's just getting up to game speed, yada, yada, yada. And just to bring him off the bench makes your life for Jacques Vaughn a little bit easier from that standpoint to kind of not have to make the decision right away because it's an injury thing, because it's working your way back. So I kind of understood why they did it. It'll be interesting to see going forward, right? Like what, what ends up happening with Cam Thomas, something that we've discussed many, many times on the podcast, just trying to figure out what the ultimate best look for this lineup is. But look, Cam came back 
and looked like he hadn't missed any time at all, right? Like he plays 25 minutes, goes 11 for 21 from the field, two or five from three, gets the line three times. It's a little low for him, but all things considered, but still dropped 26 points, had two rebounds and assists. Like he just had the full Cam Thomas bag that we, if at least from the shot selection standpoint, that we're at this point almost, uh, I mean, you for sure used to seeing um, probably starting to at some point kind of take it for granted. Like his degree, the degree of difficulty on his shots is among the highest in the entire NBA. He can make shots at every angle. He can make shots over defenders bigger than him. He can finish at the rim. He has incredible strength. Like he has incredible core strength too. It's really hard to get him off his spot. Once he's, this is why he actually gets, takes a lot of contact and typically is able to get to the foul line a lot because he has incredible, incredible body control, especially when he's up in the air. He's just so strong. Bigger defenders really can't move him, and he can kind of contort his body in crazy ways that other NBA players just kind of can't make shots. You know, keep stay in the air a little longer. He plays the angles really well off the backboard. He just actually has just it's just he's just an incredible scorer. That's it's kind of it. We talked about the list of guys that were ahead of him in terms of points per game scoring before he had gotten hurt. It was like basically the first and second team all NBA group and like Kevin Durant because he just didn't make all NBA. Like literally every single guy on the point points per game scoring for in the NBA this season, the every single one of those guys was either on the first or second team all NBA last year except for Katie. And Katie just, you know, didn't play enough or you know got traded. <laughs> like it, the list is totally incredible and then it's Cam Thomas. Um so he comes in, he plays 25 minutes. I, look, <clears throat> whatever you want to say, we, this is a very Cam Thomasy line. Right? It's like a lot of points. It's a lot of shots. It's no assists. It's you know nothing really kind of nothing else. That's what we kind of have to live with. It's probably a discussion for a different day around like whether these are the kind of stat lines you want from a player to have just be you know so 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 score heavy and really nothing else. I, I, the I, the juice feels like it's worth the squeeze, but it's probably a conversation for the other day. The question I probably have for this situation was like why cam thomas wasn't closing now you because you think like well you're down you want to be able to you want to have your best score out there the the party line here and i'm going live after the game we're live on youtube i have not listened to jacques Vaughn's press conference the party line here will probably be like well hey we were managing the minutes and so therefore um you know that he just you know kind of ran out of minutes he was managed the the uh the you know, the other side of that argument would be, well, manage the minutes so that he's in the closing group because he's your best scorer. And I, that is a question I'm not sure it's going to be asked by Nets media. Uh, it probably should be. But if you you are allowed to manage the minutes, if even under minutes management, you know, sort of constraints, you're still able to manage the minutes to how you see fit. And those minutes can be planned out. So you can just play the last six minutes of the game and not and be with the closing unit and be there as a scoring option and maybe be there in transition and maybe be there taking tough shots at the end where the Nets desperately need it. Like not having him on the court there, I think is a really, really tough look. I know what the answer is going to be. It's going to be all the things I just said, because these are just sort of like company speak lines, I'm sure, around like the, the minutes are, you know, the minutes are going to be what they're doing or whatever. He's just working his way back again. You can make the minutes however you want. And if the idea is that you want to have your best players closing, it's really a really, really tough look to not have him with that final group. And, you know, maybe the, and, and by the way, this isn't even like sort of like revisionist history, not revision. This isn't me just coming at it because the, 
you know, the results didn't turn out the way we wanted. This was a head sort of head scratching in the moment as well, right? We're staring there. It's the last five, six minutes. Like he's not on the court and you have to just sort of wonder like, you know, you know, was this the plan? Did they maybe not feel like this game was going to go down to the wire? Did they feel like they were just going to end up pulling away? Like, it's hard to know exactly. Like he checks out the yeah, Cam Thomas checks out at the 715 mark in the fourth quarter. Oh, no, no, sorry. He comes back in at the five minute mark and then checks back out with 350. So there's three, three minutes and 50 seconds left in the game when he checks out for good. That just has to feel. I mean, if you're going to run this up to the basically the four minute mark, there just has to be a way to figure out where that last four minutes is like him on the court and not him checking out with four minutes to go. That's it just doesn't seem like this is reinventing the wheel here. Like how he's your best player. And like, I, I just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I just, I, again, I feel like I know what the answer is going to be. It's hard to just, it's hard to sort of accept answers. I think whatever they're going to be. And now maybe it's just gonna be like, Hey, we made a mistake or whatever. I don't think that's going to be, or like, we don't want them to close. I don't feel like that should be the plan either. But in the end, not having, not having him, on the court for those final four minutes. I think the Nets, you know, for sure felt it. I think they really could have used, especially when you're, I mean, I guess they were winning at that point. They're only winning by three, which is not, that's that's nothing in the NBA, especially with the way that Charlotte was literally making every single shot that they took. Um, so, it, you know, a three-point lead is not anything like, <laughs> it's like not anything like, you know, a, a, a safe spot, no matter what, obviously. But it feels like an opportunity between the final shot um, which we discussed in the, in the first section here. And then this part here with Cam Thomas, these just feel like opportunities completely missed that could have just swung the game in a totally different way. And that, that, that stinks. I mean, sometimes we come on these podcasts and we look and say, Hey, what are you going to do? Like Luca threw up a miracle shot at the end. He banked at home. Like he's hitting crazy shots. What are you going to do? We've had, we've been in different loss. Sometimes you, know, you get blown out by Boston. It's like, Hey, what are you going to do? Like, was there really coaching moves that could have stopped this, this monster group? I'm not really sure. We've been on here plenty of times after losses and, and, and kind of said that, said that those lines, right? Because sometimes the losses just feel like, Hey, either there was, it was going to be tough to know what to do about it. Or it was just kind of, you were pot stuck from the beginning. This does not feel like one of those games. This feels like we can point to very specific situations to say, had this gone different, like had a different, better choice been made here, the outcome of this game would have been a win. And that's really, to me, feels like the theme of the game. All right. I want to talk about the defense or lack thereof, obviously, uh, <laughs> on this one, because uh, I mean, I'm saying defense because that's the thing that is supposed to happen when the other team has the ball. When the other team puts up 129 points in regulation, it's hard to feel like it's almost like you have to come up with another word for the thing that was happening for the Nets uh, on that side of the ball. We'll get into that here in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over on FanDuel. Right now, new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet on FanDuel. That's $150 if your team wins. Now, if you did a little emotional hedge, on FanDuel going into this game, maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to get some money on the money line for the Hornets because I'm rooting for the Nets. But maybe, you know, the, the Hornets take this like plus 425, it was like plus 420, something like that, uh, money line going into the game. I'll take that. I'll get my $5 money line bet in on that one. I'll be happy if the Nets win, but then I'll maybe be okay with it if the, if the Charlotte, if Charlotte ends up pulling it off because it's a, you know, they're a huge underdog and 
you're going to get $150 in bonus bets as well. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. They got the spreads. They got the player props. They got the over-unders. So much more every sport, obviously, as well. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get in on the action this NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's close this out. Obviously, live on YouTube, We've got a bunch of people in here that are, you know, tilting their faces off. Obviously, um, <laughs> with the loss, I totally get it. I'll stick. Well, obviously, you know, I'm ro rolling solo here tonight, but we'll stick around for YouTube live, chop it up with the fans out there that probably want to get some emotions. If chat can be uh, believed here, emotions off their chest. So, totally aware of that, and we'll be getting into the YouTube live uh, when it's all said and done. Look. Charlotte scored 129 points in this game. Tara Rozier looked like the second coming, like some combination of Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, and just take like, you know, combine a few other guards together, like all time guys. And that's what Tara Rozier looked like tonight. 13 for 25 from the field, seven for nine from three, got to the line four times, dropped 37 points, was able to tack on 13 assists. Also just felt like he could not be stopped. Overall, Charlotte shot 58% from three, 21 for 36. They shot 16 for 16 from the line, 100% from the line. Overall, their game splits were 51%, 58%, 100%. Frankly, on, on some level, you have to look at it as a Nets fan and say, if the other team's going to shoot like that, it's kind of a miracle we were in the game at all. Now, it's not a feather in your cap. You allowed the other team to, to shoot the lights out of the place. But if you looked at those numbers, if I looked at just those numbers, I was like, okay, here are the splits for the end of this game. Charlotte, and that's all I could see, right? Tunnel vision. I can only see the split. 51%, 58%, 100%. I'd be like, the Nets lost by 25. Like, there's how could you not? <laughs> how could you how could you not lose by that much if their team's like literally not gonna miss? If they're not gonna miss, it's like a, a total miracle that they were the Nets were even in the game at all. It's not a feather in the cap. It's not, you know, this isn't a moral victory or whatever. It's gonna be a feel-good moment to say, oh wow, good job staying in the game, even though they shot like, the Nets allowed this team to basically not miss any shots. This was a scenario where the defense had a lackadaisical approach to it. They did. It wasn't all terrible. The Hornets just made all the easy shots of which they had many, and they made all the hard shots as well. They had plenty of times where the Nets actually had, I thought, good defensive stands. It was fewer and far between, but they had moments where, you know, they got like Claxton got on switches on the Terry Rozier plenty of times where I thought he stood him up really well. And Rozier just made tough shots over him. that definitely happened. Like we, we can't look at the end of this game and say every single make by Charlotte was of the easy variety. It definitely was not, but there were lots of easy ones for sure. And then the ones where the Nets did actually dial up the defense a little bit, where they did make you know things a little bit more difficult, Charlotte made those also. And if that's going to be the case, you're just going to have a really, really hard time overall. The defensive scheme has been, you know, they want to shoot gaps. They want to take risks. We've been talking about this. Actually, we talked about it two episodes ago, sort of positing that one of the reasons that the Nets were having defensive struggles this year was that they were taking a lot of risks and gambles. So we, we talked about that and saying, hey, maybe this is actually one of the reasons they want to be. They kind of want to muck it up. And when you're going to do that, you're going to allow sometimes easy baskets. And actually, we were sort of uh, not vindicated because no one really disagreed with it. But uh, that Sarah Kustak brought it up on the Yes broadcast and said basically the same thing. Uh, slightly different words, but the tenor of it was it was pretty much the same, which was the Nets are playing a, a pretty aggressive defensive style. And when you play that kind of style, you are going to be susceptible to other teams' easy baskets. I think what we 
for another day about whether or not like that's the correct strategy or not, or whether the Nets should sort of like take this more chaotic approach at times to their defensive alignments. On the one hand, I think that like with the personnel they have, it's probably not the worst idea in the world. It's also can look really bad at times, or and you can just be have your team get some really, really easy looks, going to get really easy looks at the basket, going to get really easy looks from three when you don't over-rotate quickly enough and you just can't find your shooters. The Nets definitely got lost on rotations in this game more than a few times, allowing like the Bryce McGowans of the world to go five for seven and four for five from three on just completely clean looks, except for one. I think one was a tough look for him. The other four were just totally wide open. That's a really, really, really tough look. Like It's going to be hard to win any game where that's going to be the case. They also just, you know, Charlotte was able to score in the paint as well. They, look, they just didn't miss any shots. <laughs> that's really, that's kind of the whole story here. The, the, the Hornets just didn't miss anything. Uh, I was trying to find the points in the paint uh, real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Actually, Charlotte didn't even have that many points in the paint, 38 points in the paint. Brooklyn had 66. It was, it's mostly just like the efficiency was just so crazy on what they were doing that they just, it, you know, basically all the shots went in. It's probably a discussion for a different day around what the defensive identity or lack thereof is for this team. Brooklyn came in to this game already ranked pretty low on defensive efficiency. So coming in here, they were, I think they were 24th, but I'm just going to double check. Uh, yeah, they were 20. Sorry, they were 20th. They were tw- Brooklyn was 20th in defensive efficiency. That's going to take a dip after this game for sure. I mean, they'll probably be, I mean, this might drop them like three or four spots at least. So maybe they end up in the 24th or 25th ranked defense at this point. I mean, hopefully it's not adjusted. <laughs> hopefully it's not adjusted for opponent because they would drop even more, right? It's just going to be like, this is going to be the amount of points you allow to opponents independent. And that's going to be what it is. If you adjust it for opponent, I mean, we might be staring at a really, really ugly number but I don't, they're not going to do that. The defense has been a problem all season. The defense has not lived up to what you think the defense should be, considering that the personnel that they're throwing out here on a nightly basis, Nick Laxton, Mikhail Bridges, these guys came in with defensive Dorian Finney-Smith. These guys come in with like sort of at some stops for Mikhail, especially it was like, hey, this is like a defense first guy. Nick Claxton, obviously defense first. Dorian Finney-Smith, defense first. Like the, To have these guys on the roster, among other guys, right, to have these guys, Cam Johnson kind of was, you know, three and D wing. Like this, this is what everyone came over as to have these guys on the roster and to have the defense this bad is just such a problem. It, it just, it, it just doesn't seem like it's getting better. It's hard to see what the outs are. Um, it's hard to see exactly like, you know, fully what the problem is short of what I was talking about before. And that they're very slight, right? This is like a, not a big group. Maybe they're rangy defenders, but no one's, really that big in terms of NBA standards in terms of just, you know, overall heft. Maybe that's part of the problem. Also, the defense has just been an issue. And if you went into this game worried about the Nets defense, I mean, this game probably has you walking up, walking up over the edge because they, they brought in a team in Charlotte that came into this game. I'll just double check. I'm pretty sure they were in the bottom third too. It just blanked out on me. The offensive efficiency for the Hornets, I can't get it right now. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it before the end of the show. Uh, I'm almost positive that it was in the bottom third, though. Uh, got it. This is not not the best podcast in the world. If you want to do this, yeah. So Charlotte came in 22nd in the league in offensive efficiency heading into this year, and that was with the you know they're without arguably the engine of their offense in Lamelo Ball, the 22nd ranked offensive efficiency, no Lamelo Ball, no bench, and the Nets let them drop 129. If you had problems with the defense. You are probably 
probably want Vaughn fired. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to go, you can't go that far here, but it's just one game. But in, it's just like, it's just one of these totally, totally, totally inexcusable things where it's like, how can you just call, how can you say you have good defenders and how can you say you have good defensive schemes or whatever and look yourself in the mirror and just have these kind of numbers be the things that happen against you. It's just, they just don't compute. It just doesn't work. You can't say one thing and then have these results. And this was just a terrible, terrible, terrible look for the defense overall. And something that probably will not be easily forgotten by fans, nor should it. This is a, it's a problem. The Nets have not addressed it. This game might be the thing that breaks something with it because it just seems so inexcusable, but we endure. That's what we do as fans. And we hope that the next game, they turn it around. All right. We are going to break off into taking questions on YouTube live or on solo, obviously on the podcast. Much appreciate everyone that's jumped in here. I know people's got the emotions are high when it comes to the losses. I, I totally, totally get that. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well. Free and available on all of those platforms. Free for you to go and listen. Helps us. Helps us just come at you every single day with the Nets talk, talking Nets basketball after everyone. We get to the end of these podcasts. If you're new to the podcast, you know that we end the podcast with quotes from some of the great American poets out there. That's always Adam Armbrecht's job to come up with the quotes. And I, when I solo, always get to the end of the podcast and say, I didn't get a quote from one of the poets. And that's when I always say, Adam Armbrecht, the co-host, he's one of the great poets. We will be back again tomorrow. And in a moment on YouTube, talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. 